are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. So I'm grateful to be here. Always good to be back here at Covenant uh, Presbyterian Church. You know, I told Charlie I started uh, working here in Circles of Support back in 2005. So I remember those days of coming here with Steve Minima doing uh, education, education and all about race and racism and culture, all of those things that Covenant was infamous for back in the day and continues to do that up under Charter's leadership, I see. So I'm grateful to share these few minutes with you this morning, and then I will uh, do a blessing, and then I will go back to my service at 1130. All right? <clears throat> all right. So in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, uh, I'll read these verses because they're very they're interesting because of the dynamics of what's happening at the church at this time. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Perithians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Progeria and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's power and deeds. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. For a few moments, I'm going to talk from this idea of transformation through communication. None of us would argue that probably the most gifted and most blessed things that we could ever give ourselves is the ability to communicate. To be able to take your ideas and be able to push your ideas out so that people can fairly and clearly understand what you are, what your intentions are. There are a whole lot of marriages that would probably be a lot better if some party learned how to communicate better. <clears throat> I'm not going to put it on you, and I'm not going to put it on her or them or they, but somebody needs to learn how to communicate, right? A lot of young people are always trying to figure out better ways to communicate. Nowadays, they struggle with whether it's a social media. I, I, I swear, I talked to my daughter. She's 18 now, and every time she's talking, she would rather text me than have a phone conversation. <clears throat> and then when she texts me, she's texting me emojis that I do not understand. <laughs> So I'm like, yes, LOL, I don't know. And so I'll call her be like, are you mad? <laughs> Does that mean you happy? Did you like it? I don't know. It's confusing. And so I try not to even just do it. I just pick up the phone and be like, I'm too old for this right now. We need to talk, all right? 
But the idea of communication is very important, right? Because if you cannot communicate and connect with people, whatever your message is gets lost. And so the church is no different. Just like you like to have clear ideas about who you are, what you are, the church has to be very clear about its message to a world that is always questioning whether or not the church can adequately communicate with a world that seems to be disconnected from the very power and presence and love of God. And here we are on the day of Pentecost. Jesus has ascended after the resurrection, leaving the mission to those who have been gathered inside this house. They are following Jesus' instructions just to go to the house and wait until the Holy Spirit comes to empower them for their next mission. But as they are waiting, praying, I think, a rush of energy enters the house and transforms and or replaces their tongues. I say it could transform their ability to communicate, but if they could not, they got something new in replacement of what was old. Now, while we may have heard this story hundreds of times growing up in church every Pentecost Sunday, you, you hear another emphasis upon Pentecost, the impact of what happened that day to the community is essential to the success of their mission. If they're not in the house, if they're not feeling the wind, if they're not feeling that energy, they don't have nothing to communicate to the world about Jesus. So what is it that we can learn from this gathering together and their first personal experience with the Holy Spirit? Well, let me give you three things. As a true Baptist preacher, I'm going to give you three points and then I'll sit down, all right? <laughs> the first thing they received was exposure to the Holy Spirit. So Charlie and I were joking about how we manifest the Holy Spirit and how we talk about it. I said in black churches or Pentecostal-like churches, we receive the Holy Spirit as speaking in tongues, an outward expression of energy, a moment, a movement that, 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 that gives people a sense that something is happening in real time. Charlie said, well, we as Presbyterians try to focus on justice, <laughs> love, mercy, and we, go, we got to work on that, and we got to work on the speaking in tongues and the shouting and all of that. Y'all doing a good job this morning, all right? <clears throat> but the first time the entire community gets the exposure to the Holy Spirit. So what is the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked. In Hebrew, the term of the Holy Spirit came from the concept of rukak kadoshi. It refers to that divine force, that divine quality, that influence of God over the universe and over God's creatures. So when you first hear the word of the wind, the ruach, the energy, is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when it says the wind from God was sweeping over the water. If nothing else, the Holy Spirit is creative power. It is energy that allows for you to move over dark spaces and create something that doesn't exist right now. And sometimes when we think about the Holy Spirit, it's not about feeling good, but it's about being able to create beauty out of darkness. It's about being able to find purpose in places where there seems like there's nothing there, where there's a void of darkness. Your creativity enters that space, and because you are there, creativity sparks, and life is transformed and changed. That is the essence of the Holy Spirit. 
But not only is the Holy Spirit about giving creativity and you should be creative. No, no churches should be existing if they cannot be creative. If you're not evolving, if you're not changing, if you're not growing, if you're not trying to do something different this year than you did last year, I would suspect that you have lost the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is truly moving in community, everybody is trying to do something different. Everybody is trying to be different and see different and move different because you can't help yourself because the Holy Spirit is all about creation, creativity. Amen? But then secondly, it's about equipping power. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, the Spirit of the Lord gripped David from that day on when he was nothing more than somebody who was watching over his father's sheep. Sometimes the Holy Spirit equips you even when you are not prepared for the position you are about to take on. Sometimes we like to only take risk of things that we're good at. Well, I can't tell you, as long as I've been a pastor, it is hard to get people to do things that they're not good at. <laughs> oh, y'all didn't hear me up in here. Sometimes God requires us to make a fool of ourselves in order so that people can feel comfortable with being imperfect, right? If, only, if the only time you did something was that, well, you got your Ph.D. in history, so I'm going to teach a history course in church, right? I got my, I got my doctorate in nursing, so I'm only going to work on the health ministry. No, how about you do something that you're not good at so that God can get the glory when you finally do hit the right note when you're trying to sing in the choir, right? Sometimes you cannot always do whether God wants to equip you with stuff that you may not be good with right now because God recognizes when you do something out of faith and you risk something, that means that you are willing to give God more credit than you will your education or your knowledge or your competency or your power. You step out and do something that's never been done before so that God can be able to say, you didn't do it, I did it. Amen. Thirdly, is prophetic power. Power, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall be able to prophesy. It is in the recognition that every generation has a responsibility for understanding the Holy Spirit. Don't wait till you're 75 years old to get the Holy Spirit, all right? <clears throat> Our young people need to see manifestations of what the Holy Spirit is. If not, it's nothing more than some intellectual theological concept. But the Holy Spirit was not meant to be intellectual. It was meant to be felt, to meant to be touched and held. Why? Because you are the embodiment of God's moving grace and power in this world. If you're not doing it, the kids don't see it. And if the kids don't see it, they think it's boring. They think, oh, that's something old people do. I don't want to go to church. It ain't got no life. It ain't got no energy. It ain't got no passion. I walk in, people frowning. They look sad. They looking frustrated. They look like they constipated the whole time they're at church. Y'all know that constipated face is just an ugly face. It's just ugly, right? <clears throat> and so the idea is they need to see us with our energy up, with our excitement and living in that space because that is a representation that God still lives and God still energizes us. And then lastly, it's transforming power because when the Holy Spirit came, when Jesus was baptized and they said that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, it is a reminder that Jesus was being transformed around the people when the Holy Spirit came and it made God reach out from the heavens and says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It has transformed transforming power. And if you have been in church a long time, 
you should be a representation of God's transforming power. Has God ever transformed something in your life? That's where you say amen. <clears throat> Have you ever been impatient and God transformed you into a patient person? Have you ever been unloving and God transformed you into a loving person? Have you ever been judgmental and God transformed you into a less judgmental person? Have you ever been the kind of procrastinator and then God transformed you because you can do schedules now? Have you ever been transformed, right? And to a person that you see yourself in the mirror now and you're grateful that God gave you the ability to be something different. And when you are transformed, you have the ability to communicate to people that I'm not the same, that I'm different, right? Now, the thing about the church is I've been in church long enough to realize that not everybody who comes to church is really coming to church to be changed. Some people come to church just to hide. And when they come to hide, they don't want to be any different. They want to be the same. But let me tell you something. The moment you get touched by the Holy Spirit is a moment that your whole life gets up under examination. You start asking yourself questions. What can I do to be better? What, what can I change? What can I modify? And when I have my older members in church, and they'll say to me, uh, Pastor, I am 70 years old. I'm not changing. I'm not growing. I'm not doing nothing different. And I say to them, Sarah gave birth at 90. You can do something different, all right? Mm. So let, 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 let's, let's live biblically up in here, all right? And so it is a reminder that the Holy Spirit is always there to transform us, right? And then so the, the idea is that they got exposed to the Holy Spirit because it was trying to give them a miracle. See, I think the idea of this section in the text where it talks about the Holy Spirit descending upon them is a reminder to the church that when we think about miracles in the church, when you think about opening up blind eyes or people who are lame walking again, people, y'all go to certain churches, they believe in that miracle. But how about I deposit that this, that the first miracle that comes to the church on Pentecost Sunday is the ability and the capacity to communicate. I want y'all to think about that. The first miracle was not healing, was not take up your ankles and street and walk. No, the first miracle of the church was the ability to communicate. And that is a miracle. <laughs> For a church to be able to communicate is a miracle. And not just to communicate with each other, but to be able to communicate with a world whose languages are so different that we don't have the capacity to know how to communicate. Your anointing of God is not solely confirmed or manifested because of healing people or prosperity in your life or the ability to stay away from uh, judgmental things like drinking. No, your anointing is manifested in the ability of many of us to communicate with people outside these walls. Because the first step in building community is developing a way to communicate with those who need to hear and need to share this message and so God gives us divided tongues, which means that God expects there to be some diversity in the capacity to reach different groups of people who need to hear our stories. God never intended the church to have the same tongue, the same experience, the same manner to communicate. God never intended for us to be the same communicators. No, I understand having a clear theme is important. Yes, yes, I understand understanding message. Yes, that is important, but you need not communicate the same. You need to be different. I expect you to be different. I want you to be different. I want you to master the essence of how different you are. Because it's only when you're different 
that you can reach different people. Hello, somebody. Amen. I like that note. Amen on that one. So to the contrary, God doesn't bring us together so we can be one harmonious voice. No. God brings us together to embrace how different we are. When we can embrace the differences of our community, that is when you are able to communicate with the world. Listen, if y'all can't even celebrate how different you are in church, how are you going to do that in the world? If you can't appreciate being so different in this space and knowing how to listen to different voices in this space, how are we going to go out into a world on Mifflin Street? Uh-huh, exactly. <clears throat> and get all those young people to come to Covenant after they done drunk themselves crazy on Saturday night and come to Covenant on Sunday morning. How do we communicate? That is where the differences lie. So much damage is done in the church through how we communicate with people. Or we don't, you know? How we text people, how we call people, how we email people, how we get folks on the phone. Every aspect of our how we communicate with people needs the Holy Spirit to reset it so we know how to communicate in a different way. I started teaching my, my church nonviolent communication because I promise you, when you're in a church full of folks who came and been delivered from the streets, the first thing God needs is knowing how we talk to each other and how we communicate with each other. So I started telling them, I said, listen, y'all can't just be reacting off y'all emotions all the time. Y'all gonna kill the church. We need to embrace nonviolent communication. What are you feeling? What are your needs? What are your requests? And they'd be like, eh! I'm like, no, nonviolent communication. We're going to be good with our tongues. We're going to be consistent and intentional about how we say what we say when we say it. And I believe we need divided tongues. Today, we, don't, we not only need divided tongues, we need divided fingers. Because I swear, we need to be careful how we text people nowadays. Amen? I don't know. Amen. Stop. Don't text nobody anything that is emotional because it never comes out however it is in your head. Amen? And that's not some of you older ones. I know some of y'all don't, y'all ain't, ain't texting like that, but some of the new generation, they invent everything through their text message. And them little thumbs, they need deliverance from them thumbs. Amen? <laughs> Woo! Lord, how Jesus, my God. Amen. Anyway, I'm not talking about me and my daughter. I'm just talking about in general. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and it goes to social media. How you use social media? How do you use Facebook? How do you use Instagram, TikTok? All these different forms are new forms of communication that the church has to figure out how do we communicate with it, right? Because when I was running for, you know, Supreme Court, one of the things that tripped me out, I was, one of the young men came up to me and said, Judge, you're a good person, man. Ain't nobody going to listen to you speak about this. You should make a rap video. I'm like, never in the history of <laughs> Supreme Court judges do you ever see you do a rap video. And he said something that stood with me. He said, who are you trying to communicate to? I said, that makes sense. So we made a rap video. Yes, we did. <laughs> And, 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 and it made so much sense because one day I was walking in Milwaukee and this young man looked at me and said, man, you Judge Mitchell. I said, yeah, I'm Judge Mitchell. He said, this is for just us. And I'm like, oh, shit, you had the video. You saw the video. Right. He ain't telling me nothing about the first, second, third, fourth, fifth amendment. All he knows is that I made a video and that was cool for him. And that he might vote. That's what he said. I might vote this time. All right. All right. Whatever. But then lastly is the impact from the Holy Spirit. See, I think the impact of the Holy Spirit was that people were amazed because they could hear in their own language. That is a miracle. That you can talk about the gospel and people hear it. 
in the way that they need to hear it. In verse 7, there's a dig, right? In verse 7 is a reminder that the people are from Galilee. The northern part of Jerusalem were not seen as the educational or religious elite. They were just in the northern part there in Galilee. But, but they're hearing the deeds of God's power in their own language. This is, this is the part of the text that is so exciting. Often God's deeds of power and transformation get lost in our inability to make it make sense to people. You want to talk about what God's love is? How do you communicate the infinite power of an infinite God's love for everyday finite people? How do you do that? How do you communicate grace like amazing grace? How sweet the sound that saves an old wretch like me. How do you communicate God's spirit that is accepting and affirming of all people? How do you do it so that they can hear you? What's so interesting is that no matter what language the people spoke in, they heard it. And maybe that's the joy here at Covenant on Pentecost. It's a reminder that even all people need to hear God's word. I think sometimes we think because certain people got professions that they don't need to hear God's word the same. But let me tell you something. I've been around enough doctors. They need to know about Jesus. <clears throat> I'm around judges all the time, and I promise you they need to know about Jesus, right? We sometimes think that the people who only need to hear are those who are in sin or in streets or out here. But I'm telling you, everybody is searching for God's word. That's why you need physicians who know God. That's why you need judges who know God. You need lawyers who know God. You need teachers who know God. You need students who know God. You need pastors who knew God. You need plumbers who know God. You need construction workers who knew God. You need musicians who know God. You need people who don't do nothing but just retire that know God because you have a responsibility to your community that when you walk into a space, you say, I know God. How do I know him? Look at me. Look at me, right? And so people start to criticize the people. Say, oh, they own that new wine. They own that new wine over here. They own that new wine. And, and because they own that new wine, they must be just drunk. No, church, we are supposed to be the people that are ridiculed because we represent the new wine. The thing is, is that Jesus taught you about that new wine, right? He said, if you try to put that new wine in old wineskin, it's going to burst and it's going to be wasted all over the place. The new wine, church, is the spirit. The old ways in which we communicate has to be readjusted, has to be reassembled. It has to be repurposed because you can't put the Holy Spirit in a mean, judgmental church. You can't put this Holy Spirit in a church that can't communicate with one another. You can't put the affirming, creative, transformative, prophetic power of the Holy Ghost of Ruach that brought life out of nothing into a, a place where people don't even like each other, don't love each other, don't trust each other, not fighting for each other, not embracing in each other. It will not exist. It will be wasted. So God will bypass your church to go find one that will so that God puts into that church what the Holy Spirit truly is. I want you to be able to embrace with passion on this Pentecost Sunday that you are that new wine, that you are that new wine that is embracing that new communication style so that when people come into your church, no matter where they come from, what they walk away with 
is an idea that they've been transformed because they hear who you are. They hear what you said. They felt what you felt. I think Maya Angelou said it best. People will never, ever probably remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. God bless y'all. <laughs>